Hi, this is David Morris, a.k.a. Survival Dave, with this week's Urban Survival Newsletter, sponsored by SurviveInPlace.com and UrbanSurvivalGuide.com. And this week we're going to talk about food storage for churches, what happened in Nashville, and spending like drunken pirates. To start with, we're going to talk about the drunken pirates. And um, this week the Fed borrowed and spent $56 for every man, woman, and child in the U.S., and that adds up to $17 billion that we gave to the IMF to bail out Greece. And uh, the reason that we're bailing out Greece, of course, is because they've had very, very uh, strong social programs over the last several decades. And uh, they just can't sustain it. And um, we're trying to add those same social programs here, and we're going to end up with the same result, only there's not going to be anyone to bail us out. So... Um, Hopefully, those in Washington will learn something from this, but it doesn't look like it because um, Fannie and Freddie asked for another $8.4 and $10.6 billion in bailouts, and those currently look like they're going to go through. And again, I I really don't care if it's Republicans, Democrats, or even pink unicorns doing the spending. The end result is very bad. We don't have the money to spend. And the spending is going to weaken the dollar and cause everything we buy to cost more. On the bright side, the dollar may not be the first currency to fail. Right now, it looks like the euro might go first. And as it does, people with money in euros are probably going to move it to either yen or dollars. The reason for this is because the yen and the dollar are the only two other currencies that can really handle a large influx of cash without... um, without shooting up in price too much. Uh, People don't want to control a market. And if you buy too much of something at one time, the price goes up and you don't get as much for your money. So that leaves the yen and the dollar. And right now, Japan's economy is so far beyond bankrupt, it's amazing that it still functions. And it's likely that as the euros stop moving into yen, the yen will be the next to collapse. And that leaves the dollar. And since D.C. and the Fed are borrowing, looting, and spending like drunken pirates in port, it doesn't look good for the dollar either. So how long is this process going to take? Well, nobody really knows. It could be sped up by the politicians, natural or man-made disasters, but we really don't know. So what can you do? Well, for one, prepare yourself and your family for these natural, man-made, and economic disasters by stocking up on the things that you use most. Develop a team of like-minded people, learn medical and self-defense skills, and work to make your mind more resilient to bad times. Now, I do that through prayer, reading my Bible, and exercise. You might have another combination that you prefer, but whatever it is, make sure you're doing it daily. Next, I receive a few emails every week asking me for strategies to get churches, offices, uh, basically big groups of people on board with storing up food for disasters. I got one this week, and I'm including it in my response here. And it starts out, Dear David, having spoken to our senior pastor of our church about preparedness, he requested I bring up the issue of preparedness to the board members at the next meeting in June. I'd like some input on how to begin an introduction on the matter. Thank you for your help, and may God bless you in all you do. Miguel. Well, first of all, thank you very much, Miguel. And here was my response. Uh, Miguel, this is a big issue, and I can't say there's one perfectly correct answer to it. 
whether it's talking with church leadership, business owners, or family patriarchs, you're going to run into three big hurdles. First one is recognition of the need. The second one is resources and storage. And the third is the fundamental challenge or the fundamental question of centralized versus individual preparedness. Let's start with recognition of the need. Many people think that God will provide when disaster strikes and that preparing is a sign of a lack of faith. And I believe God will provide, but I really that's a bunch of poppycock about um, preparing being a lack of faith. It's just silly talk, and really it's indicative of someone who hasn't read the story of Joseph, hasn't read the book of Proverbs, and really hasn't read any of what the New Testament says about preparedness. Even Jesus told the disciples to prepare for bad times when he told them to sell their extra tunics so they could go out and buy a sword. The Bible continually tells people to be responsible and voluntarily save up during good times so that they will have provisions during bad times. If you want specific verses on this, get back to me. And if there's enough demand, I'll do a lesson on it. If your church leadership, business owners, or family patriarchs don't know how unstable our food supply and economy is, here's some bullet point facts you can share with them. Number one, the average U.S. city has nine meals worth of food on the shelves. After that, they have to be resupplied by an outside source. Number two, the second, which will be bigger, wave of residential mortgage defaults will hit sometime in 2010 as adjustable rate mortgages reset. Number three, towns and counties have less tax revenue and the number of bond defaults are likely to increase. The end effect is that properties will soon have access to fewer services and home prices will drop more as a result. Number four, the amount of distressed commercial real estate mortgages is increasing at a rate of three to five billion dollars per month. Number five, many borrowers who got their mortgages modified by their mortgage companies last year are being foreclosed on six to twelve months later. Number six, unemployment is at nine point nine percent, and it's really over ten percent when you back out census workers, and the underemployment rate is over seventeen percent. Add these together and you see that many families are fighting for survival and may be eating through any reserve or long-term food storage for their daily meals without being able to replace it. As defaults increase, more families will be in this situation. What this means is that if there is a natural or man-made disaster that affects your area, not only will the shelves quickly be bare, you can count on 20 to 40 percent of households to have little to nothing in the way of even short-term food storage. I agree that churches, business owners, and family patriarchs should do something, but what? Well, let's look at resources and storage. Let's say you want to be able to feed 500 people for 30 days. The cost is going to vary. In the SurviveInPlace.com Urban Survival Course, I laid out a plan to feed 500 people on $1.75 per day, including fuel, using bulk prepackaged containers with internal Mylar bags. Some prison systems including Philadelphia's and Alabama's, hit that same $1.75 a day mark for prisoners. Some county jails in Louisiana are under $1 a day for prisoners. And foreign aid agencies feed a fortified corn soy blend or wheat soy blend with rice, oil, sugar, and salt for about $0.25 cents a day. Let's go with the $1.75 a day number. Take that times 500 people, and you're looking at $875 per day 
and 25 or so five-gallon buckets, which is roughly a pallet stacked three buckets high. Take that times 30 days, and you're at $26,250 or 30 pallets. And that's a lot of food and requires a lot of storage space. And keep in mind, we haven't even touched water yet. So somehow, you've also got to figure out how to store that much food without more than two or three people knowing where it is. Otherwise, people will talk, and it will be a security threat in the event of a disaster. So let's look at the the core question here, which is centralized versus individual preparedness. And frankly, as time has gone on, I really don't agree with churches letting their members know that they're planning to feed people in the congregation who haven't made preparations. The worst thing that can happen in those cases is that the people who do have the ability to prepare think, oh, I really don't need to prepare and be responsible. I'll just run to the church for food if anything happens. The reason is simple. Centralized solutions are much more likely to have big problems than individual family solutions. A much better approach for churches, in my opinion, is to promote preparedness. You can get into biblical reasons for it, or you can just say something to the effect of, hey, I care about you. I see trouble coming, and I want you to be prepared when it gets here. I do see a benefit in churches sponsoring bulk food buys or buying a high-quality canner like the LDS Church does, that people can use to can their own food. Now, what about the 20 to 40% of households that I mentioned that have no short-term food storage? Well, if you've encouraged a sense of responsibility among your group and made it known that there won't be food available in the event of a disaster, then you've got two things working in your favor. First, when there is a disaster, family who did have the resources and chose to prepare will have the ability to help those who didn't. Second, Your church could secretly choose to keep some food on hand from each bulk food buy for outreach and aid purposes. There's some obvious operational security holes in doing bulk buys like this. Namely, if you buy more than everyone else does, you make yourself a target to anyone paying attention. That being said, you may decide the opportunity to provide aid and outreach and help people prepare for disasters outweighs the possible risks. Next, let's take a look at Nashville. And they've really done things the way they should be done. And the flooding in Nashville has been horrible. And my prayers go out to those who lost friends, loved ones, homes, and businesses. But Nashville is just proof positive that surviving in an urban area after a disaster is realistic, even without the help of big government. Not everyone riots and resorts to violence at the drop of a hat. And not everyone sits around whining when a disaster hits about when they are going to come help us. No, just look around. There's plenty of good people out there who are going to bloom where they're planted in the event of a disaster, just like we're seeing in Nashville. We just need to get as many friends, relatives, and neighbors equipped with the skills and tools to do so. Now, in reality, that's why I am continually promoting the Survive in Place course. And it's also why I want you to consider promoting it on your website, blog, or by posting flyers on local bulletin boards. Since marketing is my biggest expense, I've set up a program through ClickBank where if people click on a special link, you'll automatically get paid 50% anytime someone signs up for the course. I don't want to talk about it a lot here. Uh, If you're interested in it, just go to secretsofurbansurvival.com 
and get in touch with me. Also, uh, to see back issues of the weekly Urban Survival Newsletter, you can go to secretsofurbansurvival.com. And if you're interested in a free nine-day mini urban survival course, you can go to secretsofurbansurvival.com and click on the link. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I've got some great stuff coming up next week on self-defense. Now, self-defense should be a core of anyone's survival planning. And it's one of those skills that will make your life better, regardless of whether or not you ever have to use it. So, until next week, this is David Morris with UrbanSurvivalGuide.com and SurvivingPlace.com.